Okay, welcome to Focus on Fantasy Romance, a podcast where we discuss books, genre, industry, and our geeky lives coming to you from my pajamas because I've had a crappy week. I am Al Klaus. I'm joined today with A.R. DeClerc and Paulina Woods. Oh, hi. Uh, and we're going to, well, I'm going to confess that I accidentally deleted episode nine because I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. And so episode nine is now gone, so if you got to watch it, you're one of the very few. Uh, and it was, unfortunately, AR's interview. So when AR has uh, her next release, we will re-interview AR to clerk so that she has her own episode. Um, and then we're going to do updates on NaNoWriMo, because we did a whole episode on that. I will go first, and I have stopped NaNoWriMo. I have tried. I tried to write book two, or excuse me, book three, before book two was done editing, and my brain just noped the hell out of that and said, "We're not going to work on book three. You need to finish book two. So I have a great start. I have three thousand words of uh, the beginning of a great uh, book three, but I'm going back. I've been editing book two because my brain just it can't compartmentalize like that. I think if I had done a book not in the same series, I would have been fine. But because book two wasn't done, wasn't finite, my brain didn't do that. So uh, where are you, Amy? I'm working on, which is my, my Takamo Universe um, SFR novel. And I'm about 25, 6,000 words. In so far, I have not written, tried to do, uh, make up my word counts on the nights that I do write. Um, and I spend most of my weekends writing. So um, even though I kind of break the nano rules and don't write every day, I still try to make my word counts. Um, the novel, um, not a whole lot of um, bumps in the road so far. Everything's kind of fallen into place. So I'm hoping that um, might have a doable rough draft. Uh, maybe by the end of the week. What about you, Paulina? Yeah, so I'm not doing it this year. I was going to. Um, I decided I have to finish my beauty story. So I'm at the last stretch of that. It's about maybe 3,000 more words on that one. And then it's off to editors. So, yeah, I mean, I'll in the, in the month of November, I probably would have wrote like 10,000 10, words, but... I figure I'd rather concentrate on that than trying to get a new book out. So my science fiction is not on hold, but it's not going to be pressing this month until Beauty's out and Duels and Duel Guardians. So that's what I'm doing. Well, maybe we can do one of the Camp Nine arrivals because that would probably be better in line with where I'll I will be to actually write book three. I as long as I hit I would say fifty three thousand words, it would count as fifty original thousand words or. 50,000 words. Um, but yeah, maybe we can try um, Camp NaNoWriMo, uh, normally in April, sometimes in June or July. So now we're going to move on to announcements. Uh, as you know, I won the Roan Award uh, like last month, and I finally got my super heavy um, award. It's probably going to be backwards because it's via camera, but it's this really nice glass <clears throat> prism-like award. It's shaped like a book. It's super cool. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I have co-workers insisting that I need to build an awards case, and I'm like, I appreciate your enthusiasticness, but um, 
I think we'll find a really sturdy shelf for it for now. Maybe get one of those Ikea lights and put a light on it, but I think that will be the most I do right now. Um, and Amy's got some big news. You want to share with, with us what your big news is, Amy? Um, so as um, the podcast may know, I was involved with a group of other authors in a collection of paranormal romance novels. Uh, the name of the collection was Fall Into Magic. and as of, I think it was probably the ninth or so, we were number 38 on the USA Today bestsellers list. So I'm officially a USA Today bestselling author. So I just want to say thanks to everyone who purchased a copy of Fall Into Magic. And I really hope that you enjoy Judge and Jury. Um, once Judge and Jury comes back to me and I have my rights back for it, then it will be a novel um, for anyone who did not happen to catch it in Fall Into Magic. And that's my big news. I think that's great. I think a lot of writers aspire to that, and um, I think it's going to add a lot of clout to your uh, future endeavors, so I'm very excited for you. So we're doing a mixer today. Uh, we are chatting about uh, an article that uh, Amy found on theatlantic.com. Uh, about stealing books in the age of self-publishing um, and it goes over I think it's three cases of uh, plagiarism uh, since self-publishing has become very very common so we've all read it and I want to kind of discuss it by by case so the first one was uh, Rachel Ann Nunez I may be pronouncing that wrong but she writes uh, Mormon fiction romance novels. I'm not very familiar with her work, but I'm familiar with Case because I was reading it as it was unfolding. Uh, she had a, uh, a fan contact her and ask if she had re-released one of her older books written in, I believe, 1998, um, if she had re-released it. And it was a very confusing email for the author. She had not done that. And uh, she started digging, and it turns out that someone had plagiarized her books and added, I guess, racy sex scenes to what was a clean, a wholesome romance and was making money selling the book. So I followed this, um, I think, since the beginning, since it started kind of falling to pieces. Um, and I think this is the biggest fear that every author has is that their, their work is going to be stolen. And uh, there's a lot of misconceptions about what happens when that happens and what your rights are and who is responsible for doing what. Um, but I want to see what your guys' initial reaction was to uh, reading, uh, reading the article and then what happened with Rachel. Who wants to go first? You know, I think we normally start with Amy. <laughs> um, okay, so um, one specific sentence um, kind of caught me, and it says, in the world of self-publishing, where anyone can print a document on Amazon and call it a book, many writers are seeing their word without their permission. And I thought that that's a very uh, poignant sentence because um, this in general is the nature of um, the publishing world today and the fact of the matter is um, you can print your gro grocery list 
um, or your grocery lists for six months in a row and you can call them a book if you choose to do so. Um, Amazon just doesn't have quality assurance, I guess, um, to pick up on those kinds of things. And so it's not just plagiarizers, but it's um, or plagiarists, I guess is the right word, uh, scammers. And it's the um, the people who are out to make a quick book. Um, and I really, I just feel kind of sick about the whole thing because it gives writers as um, a group uh, who self-publish, it gives those people a bad name. Um, you know, I've heard people say to me before, well, I don't buy indie books because they don't have the better quality. You know, I only buy books from Barnes and Noble because you know, that's where all the good authors are. And I think that it's, it's situations like these where, um, anybody can put up anything and get away with calling it a book that, um, that really hurts us all. And as far as, um, plagiarism goes, um, I think any, I, if I go into and I take a picture of the Mona Lisa and I perfectly copy it, I can't sell it as mine. You know what I mean? Like, and that, I think the same, I think the same principle applies to any artwork or any form of art of endeavor that people have it. You know, it's personal to us. It's our baby. It's our child. We put our hearts, our souls, our, you know, lives for months, weeks, years, even at a time for these things. And it's just percolated a kid in my, in my stomach for nine months. And somebody comes along after I do all the hard work of, you know, giving birth and they whip that child away and call it theirs. It's the same principle. I wouldn't let that slide in. I wouldn't let a plagiarist slide either. So it kind of gives, it kind of just disgusted me all, all, all the way around. Um, the whole idea that anybody would think that a, they can get away and B that it's okay. Um, and we'll come across this topic again later, I'm sure. But one of the, stories we will discuss later um, as far as plagiarism goes you know the author's excuse was I was under a lot of stress and under a lot of pressure to put out several books at a time and there is that pressure to produce for authors nowadays the more you put out you know the more money you the fact of the matter is if you look at the root cause for that it's that we're selling books too cheaply um, something that I spend two years doing should not cost less than a Frappuccino at Starbucks. Um, but it has to in order to be competitive in the market. And we have undersold ourselves um, and have made it that way. So there are a lot of root causes. That's my job analysis. So you'll have to excuse me when I start talking about it. But there are a lot of root causes to the things that have have made these authors feel like this was their only option and it's sad that um anybody would feel that way that to feel like that they have to steal in order to um get their keep their name in people's mouths i guess so those are my thoughts on the article as i read it um I just, I just generally felt disappointed in people um, as a whole and in, in an author, especially um, someone who was do that to, 
to another author is even worse. Um, what about you, Paulina? How did you feel about it? Um, so the first one that we were talking about, the, um, the Rachel case, it's kind of, I guess as I was reading it, I was thinking to myself, how many books have I read that said re-released and maybe the author didn't re-release it or, you know, a book that comes out with a different cover that's not really from that author. Um, it kind of makes me re, I guess, rethink a lot of the books I read. Like I said, um, uh, it's kind of disappointing in people, especially since she wrote it as a you know, clean sort of book. And when it came out, it wasn't so clean. So a lot of her readers, if you think about it, what if her readers would have read it thinking that they were going, you know, Oh, I remember this book from a while ago. I don't own it anymore. Let me see, you know, and all of a sudden it's not exactly what she usually writes, which can also hurt the author. Cause now they're going, okay, that she was, you know, is she still writing what she says she was? It, and it kind of hurts her sales after that, unless, you know, like, she, like a reader contacted her and was like, Hey, look, this is happening how many readers actually read it and stopped reading her books thinking that now she's kind of going more mainstream and that's not what they want to read. So it's not only, I think that whoever did this to her didn't only hurt herself, you know, her past selves, but it hurt her future selves because she's probably lost a lot of readers. I mean, not that the case is more open, maybe some of them came back, but there's still some, you know, people who don't follow it before I was a reader before I was a author and a blogger, I didn't follow, you know, if I seen an author did something, I just quit reading them and moved on. And some readers are like that. So how many did she lose? Because somebody decided, I don't want to work. I want to steal somebody else's work. So it was kind of like, I felt, I felt slighted for her. Cause I was like, wow, you know, yeah, that's out of print. Doesn't mean that you can take it just cause something's out of print. So this case kind of like, I don't know, it kind of made me rethink, like I said, a lot of things. Now I'm going to have to go back and look at some of the books I own. and like, hmm, is that really from that author? So, um, yeah, that's my thoughts. Uh, like I said, I've been following the Rachel case a little bit longer than you have, and I followed her GoFundMe. Uh, I think she's got a Facebook page for it. And the problem with the Rachel case is uh, the person who stole her book is not a current author. She is actually a teacher. And as they started digging into the case um, and going through discovery, uh, they found out that this teacher was uh, living in the United States and using her students' names to create fake accounts to harass the actual author of the book to try to get her to drop her case. Uh, and there's, uh, like this article and the situation really brought up who is responsible for defending copyright. So that copyright is sometimes an abstract uh, concept to people, but as soon as you write or create something and save it in a fixed form, it's technically copyright the artist or creator. And when something like this comes up, you have to defend your copyrights. You have to prove that you wrote it first, and you have to prove that this other person is stealing enough of your content uh, to prove plagiarism. And it's all on the author. The expense is all on the author. If you have willing to pursue that for you, like if you work with a publishing company that wants to pursue that type of uh, a case and try to get damages, uh, that's great. But a lot of authors don't. Like we're all independent authors. Like my publisher probably wouldn't unless they could prove that like 
if their book hit the USA Today or the New York Times, then yeah, go after them because they obviously made enough sales to uh, warrant the case. But a lot of authors, when they get their work plagiarized, they're stuck with the decision, do I have the money to sue and try to try to get back damages or do I just let it go? Amazon's pretty good about pulling down um, stuff that's a copyright violation, but it, it's up to the author. Like in Rachel's case, she set up a GoFundMe so that she could actually pursue this person um, for, for damages because, she, you know, like Amy said, it's our baby. I've spent well over a month writing just the rough draft for my, my novels and like I don't want someone to steal it. I don't want someone to throw in uh, erotic sex scenes when my book doesn't have erotic sex in it. Um, but if I found someone that had plagiarized it, it's up to me to pursue that. So uh, Amy, or excuse me, Rachel is very lucky that the person lives in the United States because there are a lot of people that don't live in the United States and they don't uphold the same copyright laws. Um, so sometimes it, they would just be out of the, out of the country and can't do anything because the, the laws in the other country are different. And Amy had touched on the case of Laura Harner who had uh, plagiarized someone else's work in the name of keeping her content, um, I guess, fresh, putting out uh, titles within a certain amount of time. And that's the second issue of a copyright infringement that happened. And I think the original author didn't get any compensation, uh, but Laura did fess up to it, which it couldn't have been easy, but she shouldn't have gone there in the first place. I know a lot of authors get a lot of pressure to produce a lot of content, and I feel it too, but I also know that I, can, I just can't. I can't do it. I have, I have a full-time job. I have a family that I like to see. It's not possible. So, um... Paulina, you had said that you had read some of the actual Laura Harner novels, and you had enjoyed them. Unmute. Sorry. Yeah, she's a she's actually an amazing author. I read her. Um, it's a Highland shifts her Highland shift Highland push. Um, it's a, I mean such so good that I actually still read those you know over and over because they're I'm like oh my god I have to read it again. Um, it has magic. It has. Tra time travel and this I mean and so when I heard that she had plagiarized the first thing I could think of was why like you're an amazing author and I know you have to push you know she said she has to push out books to stay up to date or whatever but all I could think of was you could have she I mean she could still do it probably but I don't know but she could have been way up there if she would have just plugged along because that was, I think I read her first book four years ago or something like that. I can't remember. But it was, if, if I still read them today, that means you're a good author. Because I don't read every, I mean, I have bookshelves full of books and I don't read all of them again. But, you know, I feel that maybe, like she said, she caved to pressure, but that's still not a reason. That's like saying, I, I, I was in a passionate moment and killed someone. To me, that's not an excuse. You still did it. 
So plagiarism, you caved under pressure, you still did it. So like I'm I'm leery to read any more of her books. I know she put I think she just put out a book. Um probably like six months ago or something like that, that I kinda like, eh. like I wanna read it, but I, I don't because I don't want to be that one person that paid for someone else's work. <laughs> so yeah, she's a good one she's a good author when she writes herself. And this one was also a case where a reader um, caught the similarities and uh, Laura had taken uh, a male-female romance and turned it into a male-male. And there's not a lot of crossover in readers is what I was reading on the article. So, it, the, you know, the readers, the readers catch these things. They're like, hey, this book is a lot like, you know, this other book. Um, and then the same thing happened with the third, the third writer, which is actually a group of people. So, um, Ellis O'Hanlon, O'Hanlon, and Ian McConnell wrote, I think it was a thriller or a mystery under the name Ingrid Black, and it was published again late '90s, and it came down. Um, and then someone wrote to them or tweeted them, I believe, and said, "Hey, did you re-release this book?" under you know this name and they started looking into it and someone had plagiarized i don't think they bothered to change anything they just flat out stole the book and started publishing it as their own and it turned out to be another author who had caved to the pressure of having to put out a lot of books and in this case they were also very very fortunate that uh when they emailed the author she said she admitted to it and she admitted how much money she had made via Amazon, um, and Amazon was actually able to reimburse the original authors uh, for the expense or the the sales of the book. However, in the previous cases, um, since there was no amount of money admitted to earning through Amazon, Amazon wouldn't have paid the royalties to the right author. Do you know what I mean? So, Amy was alluding to this earlier, and. Amazon has the ability to check my book for spelling errors. I write a lot, I write fantasy and I write steampunk. So some of my names are made up and they are always saying, hey, is this person's name spelled right? They think it's a misspelling. Well, Amazon needs to take uh, the same kind of software that universities use to make sure that people, students are plagiarizing other papers and books and they need to apply that to their own algorithm when we submit a book it should be able to be checked against everything else that's been you know published through at least kdp uh kindle direct press um and say there is a there's a remarkable similarity between these two books and then start a reasonable process to figure out are these actually the same book who's the original author i mean amazon has such a habit of just being so heavy-handed on some things i don't necessarily want them to just rip both of them down until the authors can figure it out, but they should have the ability to put a, some type of anti-plagiarism methodology in their, in their system. I mean, they're big enough, they have enough money to invest in that, and if universities can use it, Amazon should definitely be able to use it. Well, the way I look at it is, if Amazon can take my search and create an algorithm to put ads on my page that are specifically targeted to what I just searched, they can check a book to see if it's 
similar to, they can create an algorithm for anything. It just hasn't been done because right now authors are at the bottom of the Amazon totem pole. We don't make them enough money. Um, the thing I want to say too concerning Amazon was um, I have an author friend who controlled by some other people and they kept reporting to Amazon that um, she was breaking the terms of service for Kindle Unlimited because her book was up for free on these certain websites. Well, they were pirate sites. She had no the fact that these pirate sites were offering her novels, quote unquote, for free. But Amazon sure as heck did take the report seriously and then suspend her account. So Amazon has to take these kind of, you know, if it affects their bottom line, they're going to take whatever steps are necessary. But when it comes to giving some support to their authors, that's where they're lacking. And I to feel like they're second-class citizens when it comes to the Amazon universe. Um, and Amazon is its own universe. You know, it is a multi-billion dollar global corporation that sells every toothpaste, to toilet paper, you know, to nose plugs, to everything that you can think of. So it's not that they don't have the resources and the ability to do it. It's just that we don't make them enough money. The other thing that I want to say is uh, we I talked earlier about authors devaluing themselves, and I have another friend um, that I talk with occasionally on Facebook, and she's an extremely outspoken person when it comes to this. She refuses for less than four ninety nine, and she has always explained to me why this price point is important to her. And um, she had a very good argument to lay the foundation for why we're underselling ourselves creators as you know entrepreneurs um but we feel like we have to cut our prices and constantly give sales and give away freebies in order to remain competitive and so i i think that that is a culture shift that's going to have to happen um it would take some of the pressure off of authors if they didn't feel like they come um, you know, producing um, like it's a assembly line and you get paid per, you know, per button that you sew um, or something like that. If we if we had the ability to be confident in the fact that readers would still be there for us in the six months that it takes for us to write our book, edit our book, format our book and publish our book properly, and that readers would be willing to pay the $4.99 because our book has taken six months and is a quality product, that's where we come into a problem because you have this large gap and, and we've become so undervalued. Um, you know, the supplies are really, really off kilter right now. So um, it's going to be a culture shift, I think, um, for people to get back to the idea that what we write is worth more um, what we're currently charging in my opinion and I none of my books are priced over $3.99 um, and that is simply to remain competitive and it's not that I don't think that they're $3.99 I think that they are but um, frankly if a reader can have the choice between my book for you know $4.99 and someone else's book for $0.99 cents, they're going to choose the $0.99 cent bookshelf so I mean, that's just where we're at. Until I have built up a readership enough to where people buy whatever I write, no matter what price it is, and I'm not there yet, and it takes a really long time to get there, and it's a lot of hard work, 
it's I have to price point where I need to be. So I do feel that pressure too to to produce constantly to keep you know everything sharp and new and you know everybody says build a backlist and it's like well those are kind of wasted after you know a month of being they're no longer a new release and then all of a sudden it's backlisted. So I mean I kind of get where she was coming from. I would never steal someone else's books, but um, the pressure is real constantly produce. Um, okay, Pauline, you wanted to say something? Yes, I did. What do I want to say? Wow, my brain just like fried. But um, oh yeah, on the on the thing of um, like prices, I guess I'm getting ready to move mine up, and um, just because it's time. But that brings the point, you know. Um, I wrote a book three years ago when my first one came out. And I was all excited. I remember telling this guy at my job who comes in as a guest, he wrote a book about five years ago, but he went through Vanity Press. So he had to buy all these books. He has them in his garage. Um, but he, I asked him, I was like, well, did you sell it on Amazon? He's like, no, 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 I don't do that, blah, blah, blah. So um, about two weeks ago, I asked him again. And he was like, yeah, I finally put it up there. And I was like, oh, cool, how's, you know, how sales going? Because it's kind of an old book. And it's sucks oh my god does it it's so bad i couldn't even read it like it was so disconjointed it's horrible but i mean i'm i was like so i'm thinking he's gonna tell me 199.99 you know just to get his name back out there he's all I, i'm selling it for 5.99 and my my draw my jaw just dropped i was just like you're selling a piece of shit for how much and so then I was like, well, why don't you lower the price and, you know, maybe go on blog tours. I'm thinking, get an editor, you know, the simple things in life. And, um, and I told him, I was like, well, because my books range, it starts at 99. I have a free 99 and 199. And he goes, oh, you're a cheap author. And I was just like, thinking of my, like, I was getting ready to say something. His wife kind of like pushed him along like, okay, it's time to go. Let's go. Let's go. Because I think she just seen that change come over me. And like, you know. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, well, that's kind of the pressure that their people are getting under when they go to plagiarize is that at one point people are saying you're a cheap author, you're not writing enough, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, or you know how people walk up, how much are you making? And you're thinking to yourself, well, I should, like I've been writing three years, which is not a lot in the author world, but when people ask me that, I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe I should be making more money. Well, you know, and again, pressure, I never think about, hey, I should go plagiarize somebody's book, but other people might because they're like, well, I should be able to pay my rent. I should be able to, you know, pay a bill or two. Um, and that kind of kicks people into the panic mode. And that's when they start going to pay plagiarize. And I'm like, so, I mean, I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying I understand the pressure that they get under when they go and do stuff like this. It's the pressure of, oh my God, people keep asking me these questions. and to my knowledge, I followed, let me see, who do I follow? I follow Carolyn. These are, the, she writes MM. I follow Amber Kell, um, like two other authors who are more indie, or small, um, small publisher indie, and they publish one book, of, uh, one, one to two books a year. I have no problem. Even before I read, I had no problem waiting for them. I think it's just that, nowadays readers are like they think they're driving through fucking mcdonald's you know they're like hey i just read your book i read it all in one day where's the next one 
you want that book for 99 cents, yet you want me to publish another book. I get what? We get 30 cents if it's 99 on Amazon? 35 cents? Um, <laughs> you want to you wanna pay more? And, you know, it kind of pushes out, okay, well, if I push out more books, if I push out, you know, and it just, it compounds upon each other. And, um, like, the only case I'm really familiar with, again, is a, Har is a Harner case. And, like, I keep saying, I was like, I just wish she would have just kept with it because those, those aren't the only books. She, ha she has a few other ones. And I'm like, they were so good and she put them out every seven months when she was writing herself which i think is a good time frame but again that pressure you know well this has been it's been seven months since your other book came out when's your next one coming out oh here's one. Oh, good in five years this is what got her caught in five years she wrote 75 books i'm sorry unless you have no life and you live in your basement and don't take showers you're not going to write five, 75 books in five years and but people that didn't know that those weren't her books were praising her. Oh, I want to be like her. Look at her. She's writing. And I'm just like, really? That's what you want? You want an author who pushes up that many books in five years? Which comes down to a lot of books in one year. When did she eat? When did she sleep? When did she take a shower? When did she do anything else? So, some, I think, I'm not putting the blame on readers but I think the pressure that readers are putting authors under is what's causing a lot of authors to turn to plagiarism is because they want to keep those readers happy and readers are demanding. They, they Facebook you, they email you, they stalk you on your websites. They put, you know, and they just demand, 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 demand. And authors, instead of saying, Hey, you know what? Slow your roll. Let me get this out. Let me write. They kind of go, all right, here, here's something. And so the blame, so I think the accountability needs to come from both the reader and the author. They both need to, they both need to um, kind of take responsibility and say, okay, look, let's stop it together. Stop buying the pirated books, stop demanding so much, and authors stop writing them or stop stealing them. They really don't write them. I I think there there's um, pressure on both sides, and like I said, I think in a previous podcast that we have, we're we're in a content driven uh, type of society. I mean, you've got uh, Netflix where you can watch an entire season of a show. Um, you've got you know on demand services you can watch stuff instantly. Like even with eBooks, you can buy them and have them on your Kindle in less than a second. Um, but I think the, the real thing here is is we need to focus on our our true fans. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of miss the mark is, is they, is they want to sell as many copies to as many people as possible. And you just, you need to find, you need to find your true readers. You need to find the people that will, will buy your book every time you have a release. And that wasn't even what I wanted to talk about. We had, um, just today we found, um, in our, some of our author groups on Facebook that there has been reports that someone is sending friend requests to people who are admitted authors on Facebook and then saying, Hey, I ghost wrote this uh, romance novel, or here's a summary for a ghost written romance novel. I can write this for you, or I have written this and you can buy the rights to publish this book for $65. Um, and the, the discussion of whether or not people use ghostwriters, that can be another podcast. But 
it was kind of alarming because the person who got this bizarre message sort of out of the blue discovered that this person was this person who approached them was trying to sell them someone else's copyrighted work so that goes back into we as authors are feeling pressure to um, produce 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 and if someone says hey I wrote this book and I you you can use it as yours because a ghost wrote it which means the person who wrote it is giving up their rights to the book and they don't have their name on it in any capacity it really makes you wonder how can you verify that you that they actually wrote it that they have the copyright that you can legally print it so I, I mean I hope that some other authors aren't turning to ghostwriters who aren't legitimate there are proper methods to become a ghostwriter but that was fairly alarming and they always pick kind of an older an older tighter title or lesser known title um, but honestly <laughs> that made me very very angry and I'm glad that the author community kind of banded together to kind of I don't know I think they blocked or got that person banned because they were soliciting for something that was illegal um, but it kind of took Facebook a little bit of time to to get it done well I know when I told you Amy you had you were like what so what was your reaction to that um, I said, well, you sent me a message on Facebook Messenger and you were like, hey, this person's trying to sell their ghost written book for $65 and it's a plagiarized copy of somebody else's book. And I'm like, what? And in my head, I'm thinking, okay, like this was just the next thing down the pike for some shady character to come up with because literally it's all about who can come up with the next big scam. Feel like what has happened to the author community, like the broad author community, and I'm not talking about this small community that we are, which is a lot of really, really nice, good, honest people in the romance community. Um, but in a in a broad, general sense, like the indie author community has become, you know, what can we get over on now? And, um, and it's not us, it's not the writers, it's the people who want to take advantage of the writers and the people who have a dream to, you know, write a book and read it. They're like, oh, we can take advantage of the fact that there are all these people out here who are willing to self-publish. We can scam everybody by pretending to be one of them. And that pisses me off. Um, as a community, like in our small romance writer community and our science fiction romance and our steampunk, which is an even smaller community, um, we're all supportive of each other and we would never um, think of stealing just trying to push each other to the next level to do better, to achieve more, you know, to get the steampunk genre out there, to get the science fiction romance and the fantasy romance, you know, to wider circles, to be read. And people like this, pardon my French, effing with everything that we're trying to accomplish because all they're doing is making us seem illegitimate. And, and, and I'm talking about indie authors as a whole, not, not, not even just our little, so, and it, I see more of it happening with like contemporary romance and clean romance has become, has gone under fire lately. 
because you know there'll be tons of scammer books out there with clickbait um, no links in them to you know scam the Kindle Unlimited program and all that does is turn readers away from those of us who are trying really really hard um, to get our books noticed to get our, and to really be, be an author and if it's all about the money um, you're never gonna be an author like that's not what being an author is about. It's not about making cash and quick cash and let me just something down on some paper and call it, you know, done. That's not what it's about. And these people are ruining that for everybody else. So it really, it just raises my hackles when I see people doing stuff like this. And then this chick that we've been thinking about, I don't know if it's a chick or a dude or I don't know, but she, um, basically, posted for everybody to see hi authors I'm a pirate hi authors books and someone screenshotted that and put it on Facebook so everyone could see that this person is obviously just living it up they are laughing at the fact that authors are mad that she's trying to take advantage and somebody out there was desperate enough to accept that $65 quote unquote quote, ghost written, stolen book, and if doubt this, they're going to publish that under their name because they're desperate enough to do it, and that is sad, and she really should be taken out behind the barn and shot, but that's going, but she should definitely be banned from Facebook, and, you know, people need to be more careful because every time you turn around nowadays, there's a scammer someplace. Paulina, what did you think about um, this well, this chick on Facebook? Um, I seen it. Um, I read it. I've been following it. But the problem is with her is that she took down all her stuff, and then another site popped up with the exact same thing. And then they took the they attacked that one in the space of I think I woke up at I woke up at like eight in the morning or something like that. By the time my boyfriend got here at ten. She'd already post. She'd already taken down and reposted it five times under five different names, and all I can think of is, really, they like, huh? When you change something about it, it's not changed. It's the exact same wording, um, and I was just kind of looking at that, going, "Wow, I hope no one took the bait." As of right now, I don't think it, because it's so it's so out there in your face. I don't think anyone can take the bait because if that book pops up on Amazon in the next what it's a fully written book, you just have to have a cover. If it pops up on Amazon in the next week, trust me, that author is going to get crucified. So that's that's our big that's my big hope is that no one fell for it. But it's like the African scheme; somebody in the world falls for it because they keep doing it. So, um, it, it did make me angry. Like even I went and looked at the profile, come to find out she befriended like 50 authors in a space of a, like less than a day. Um, the profile picture wasn't real. Like I, I was looking at it and I was like, I don't think it's a real one. And I kind of, I went to the original post and I was just like, I wouldn't have fell for it. But then again, you know. Some people are more susceptible, more, and to me, I'm like, I'd rather write my own books. I'd rather see what my own characters are doing. Um, yeah, I'd, I, I'm wondering. I yeah, I don't know. 
I, I don't know. I don't even know why authors do this. You're going to get caught. Stop doing it. You're going to get caught. You don't get caught That's today. Thing, but if She's they not an author. No, I'm saying authors who buy it and authors who plagiarize in general, because that's, you know, the kind of what we're talking about. I'm like, if you do it, you will get caught. You might not get caught today. You might not get caught this year. You will get caught because, again, I read, I read um, fantasy. So I read a lot of, contem not contemporary, but, you know, fantasy, male, male, I mean, male, female, but I mm -hmm. love the male, male. Oh, my God. If you actually see my Kindle, you'd be like, really? Are you, are you? I mean, that's what I read. So readers are starting to cross over. So they're going to find you just like, you know, what happened with Harner is they found her. They were like, wait a minute. This just has two males in it. I read this before. So they're, they're starting to That's cross over. That's the thing now. though. You got to stay. These plagiarizers have got to, like, if they were smart, they'd smaller genres because steampunk readers read will read anything that is steampunk and so you put something out that says steampunk and if it sounds like something they've read before they're a real small group of everything's steampunk you know what i mean so if you if they go into the bigger genres like contemporary romance where it tends to happen a lot where you get a lot of plagiarism um and or like the paranormal romance i swear to god like scammers love shifter romances because I could go on there and type shifter romance on and pop up 500 scam books just on, you know, the first page of my Amazon. But I saw this thing the other day, someone had posted, which was, it was like the Amazon top 100. And there were these books with plain covers that had no photographs. It was just like a green cover with some words on it and by the same author. And they were top 100, one through like 12. And How it was that? obviously junk. And it was the same when you opened it, the um, look inside. It was the same story in all 12 of those books, the same paragraph over and over and over again. So how that made it to Amazon Top 100, and that post that I was reading was about, is how did Amazon let that happen? They're obviously because scam books. They're click the farms. Author buys it. They're click farms. Yeah, they're click farmed up basically. They have people constantly buying, 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 buying to drive them up into the Amazon top 100. But it's not real readers buying that book. It's the author or whoever, you know, put together this scam that's click farming up. So, yeah, that is the things that drive me bonkers about Amazon in particular, but it probably happens on all the platforms. Um, because you know, there's not as many authors on those platforms, but yeah, I think that, I think that's exclusive to Amazon because none of the other places have a subscription model for books. I mean, there's Scribd that I know of, and I'm pretty sure there are other ones, but none of them are as big as Amazon. Uh, did you see the article about there's a gentleman that was found out in, um, Canada, who had written, he had like a database of all these um, accounts with Kindle Unlimited, Unlimited subscriptions, and he would publish just trashy books, not trashy as in erotic romance, trashy as in articles and nonsense, 
And he, over the course of three years, he made $3 million using the Kindle Unlimited because he had these accounts that would just, per an algorithm, would go through, flip through his books, move on to the next one, flip through his books. So he get all these page reads through the Amazon Kindle Unlimited program, and they weren't actually people reading the book. It was just an account that that did and it was all automated and the only reason the guy got caught is because he got lazy with his server security and someone got in using a generic password but three million dollars over three years i remember reading about that case. Crap yeah books I, I remember that i remember that one i read it and i was thinking let me get two books out there and start this <laughs> it's tempting when you hear the and getting away with it and making big bucks. I mean, you don't, none of us are like Lily White, you know, with halos over our heads. We all have thoughts about, oh, well, that, I'd like to have $3 million in my bank account. But the fact of the matter is, it, you know, no, people with an actual conscience and some common sense wouldn't do those things. But damn, $3 million. I mean, heavy incentive to break the rules. I wouldn't do it myself, but I, it's like office space, you know, it's like, it's that half a penny, just half a penny. And that half penny turns into, you know, thousands of time, but yeah, I mean, it, it, people are out there breaking the rules all the time and they're getting away with it. And us hard working schmucks are, you know, still breaking our backs and breaking our fingers, typing on, put out books and do it the right way. Um, and I just hope our readers know and understand and appreciate the fact that, um, you know, we could be schmucks. We, we could be schlepping out crap, you know, quicker than that, but we're trying to do a quality product with a good story that's going to entertain our reader um, because that's what we are passionate about. So if readers, like, get the, get the hint and start you know, feeling what we're trying to, you know, what kind of vibes we're putting on the air, maybe they'll come back with some love for us, uh, um, you know, we and, and give the skin right? the hate ho. Dude, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know because sometimes I wonder if they just don't care because they're getting stuff for cheap. Again, I think readers forget that unless you are Christian Fee and um, – Stephen oh my King. God. Stephen King, whatever. All those big, you're not making money. You're not, <laughs> you're not you're making not, big bucks. You're, you're, yeah, exactly. And I'm just like, I'm not a, unfortunately, I'm a low lister right now. <laughs> I'm like, this doesn't even pay for my editing. I pay editing out of my own pocket right now. So I think they kind of forget that. And then authors forget that, you know, once, once you plagiarize, I think not only do readers not trust you, but neither does editors. So after this, who are you going to get to edit your books? Publishers aren't going to want to pick you up. Right. You're, you're, That's I right. mean. You'll, you're going to be blacklisted everywhere. as an author forever. And I mentioned when you talked about um, Laura Harner publishing another book, from what I understood, um, in a lot of cases, if they are, or if they confess to plagiarism or they confirm that they they, have, they will lose their Amazon account for life. So I'm actually surprised she was even able to publish something else. I think she's able to publish her, her publishing page is still up there, 
The only thing is she had to, um, she did admit it. I think they, they probably settled off out, out of court away from where we can see it because it kind of, it didn't go away, but it kind of dropped. And I'm pretty sure that they just settled outside, you know, between them. Hey, let's do this. Let's settle it. Because before she plagiarized, honestly, she already had a good backlist of books. So it wasn't like one of, it's not like some of these authors who have like three or four books and they plagiarize. She already had a good, she's been writing for almost 20 years before she did plagiarize. So it's like, yeah, I understand. Yeah, she did Craig, but I think they kind of looked at this. They looked at it like, okay, look, you know what? Take the books down. Whatever they did out of court, they did. She still writes. But again, no publisher is going to pick her up. Readers are going to have a hard time. Editors are going to be like, mm, yeah, right. Even cover book, um, book cover artists are going to be like, I'm not putting my name on something that could be plagiarized. So I think she just really hurt herself. We really don't come so hard. much more. I, I'm so much more like prejudicial, I guess, and judgmental. Like if I'm scrolling through Amazon and I come across something that like it might even be fishy, I won't click it. That's really, when I'm browsing Amazon, I'm looking at titles, I've gotten really picky. Like I will look, I'll read the blurb, I'll read the inside, I'll read the author bio, I'll check out their website. It's just because I, I know how much scamming goes on. I want to make sure that A, the author is a real person, B, it's an actual book. I'll look at the number of pages. Um, I was looking at Laura Harner's um, Amazon profile and she did put something out September 5th. The publisher is listed as Hot Corner Press, which could easily be her because if she's using KDP, you can just put in whatever name um, is there. But I think Amazon's policy is only to take down books that are subject, that have been disputed. So that's probably why all of her other titles are there is because no one else has stepped forward and said, hey, this, this is actually my copyrighted material. So uh, I think there that Amazon just... Um, errors inside of caution. So if there's any discrepancy on like one title, they'll take it down, but they won't take the whole back catalog on because no down because no one's spoken about the rest of the back catalog. Do you know what I mean? Because they can still make money off that if it's selling. So I I hear a lot of people complain about Amazon and then some people are like, well they're they're your business partner. I mean, you got to understand that Amazon is, a, is in the business for Amazon. It's great that we can publish through them for free um, and do ebooks, but at the end of the day, they're going to protect their own selves over authors. So I think, I think it's time to wrap it up. We've been, <laughs> we've been talking a little bit past 8 o'clock, and that glass of wine has gone right through me. So um, can you see my rosy cheeks? <laughs> Uh, and then my child also keeps getting out of bed, so it's time to time to wrap it up. So I will have links about the the article and um, whatnot that we've discussed in the show notes. You can always visit us at focusonfantasyromance.wordpress.com. Um, and I think unless anyone else says anything massive that they need to say, we will say good night. Nope. Good no. Night. Uh, good night. I'm reading this today. Okay. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> I Next. bought a new book today. Come on, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm reading um, Dragon Bond by Ruby Lyons Drake. It's a secondary like fantasy it. romance. Yeah, that's her her fantasy romance stuff. She doesn't normally have science fiction romance, but 
digging it so far. So this is historical. But anyway. This is historical. It's cool. I love I love her name. Tessa Dare is amazing. So hurry up so we can go so I can go read. Okay. Well, we'll <laughs> see you later. Bye. Bye. All right. Everybody.